The NBA draft is now less than more, one month away. Nobody better to talk with about that than the man who runs DraftExpress.com. His name's Jonathan Gavoni. He joins me now. Jonathan, it's Gary. How you doing, man? Doing great, Gary. How are you? Everything's perfect. I appreciate you joining me on this uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'll try not to keep you too long, but I want to start right at the top. I know you believe Markel Fultz is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. I do, too. If he's not, though, who would be the most likely candidate to go first overall to Boston? Probably Lonzo Ball. Uh, most people would, would say he's the second most talented prospect in the draft. There's not a huge uh, gap between Lonzo and possibly Josh Jackson and maybe to a lesser extent Jason Tatum. But I, I think the gap is, uh, is pretty wide between Markel and, um, and the rest of that group. Uh, with Lonzo, uh, he has been discussed uh, as much as any prospect in this draft for a while now. A, because he was unbelievable at UCLA, but B, uh, because his father has uh, launched Big Baller brand and been on every radio show and television show in America. Does the LeVar Ball thing scare NBA franchises even a little? I, it depends who you talk to. Some teams are more concerned with it than others. I do think that it's, it's, it's fairly overblown, especially in the media. But um, I, I think if you talk to people at UCLA, they give Lonzo uh, the, the highest uh, you know, endorsement possible. And they also say that his dad, LeVar, wasn't really that big of an issue for them. They set ground rules early on in the year. They said, you can't come to our locker room, you can't come to our practices, and you can't call coach alford and he stuck to those three things very well and uh, really wasn't distraction at all he started making some noise uh, kind of later on in the in the season and after they lost was when the you know the really everything started i i really think that um he's gonna this thing is gonna die down you know once uh, his you know shoe company fails as we all expect and uh you know lonzo is gonna become his own man here and detach himself somewhat from him he's gonna have to I'm talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. I want to circle back to Markel Fultz because it's interesting. He is, I think, even unlike Ben Simmons, uh, the similarity is is pretty obvious. They were both for mostly irrelevant, if not totally irrelevant. Uh, they played for college, irrelevant college basketball teams. Um, the, the difference is that we still saw Ben Simmons all the time on television because, you know, he played in the central time zone. He was on the ESPN a bunch. You know, you'd get Ben Simmons against Kentucky, Ben Simmons against whomever. We didn't see Markel Fultz, or at least I know you and I did, but the casual college basketball fan slash NBA fan didn't see Markel Fultz much at all. He played on the West Coast and for a bad team. Um, can you put into perspective what it is, if the Celtics take him, what exactly it is they're getting? Well, they're getting an extraordinary talent, a guy who is six foot five with a 6'10 wingspan who can play one, two, or three Tremendous with the ball in his hands, has a great feel for the game, uh, can make shots both with his feet set and off the dribble. Also, a, a really, really good passer, a guy who has shown you sparks of, of defensive intensity and, and defensive versatility that really NBA teams crave these days. And, you know, he's really, uh, you know, he's, he's also extremely young. He's one of the younger prospects in this draft. He's got a tremendous upside, and people really say great things about his character and his work ethic, um, his intangibles. So, I mean, he really is the complete package that you look for in a prospect. Uh, you know, he wasn't spoiled early on by, you know, being this mega star since he was 12 years old. He actually had to work his way up from the bottom and, uh, you know, really didn't start getting serious attention until 
his junior year of high school. And so he's still a very humble guy. Um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why he went to Washington. He wanted to be out, out, out of the spotlight a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a tremendous talent, and it would be a no-brainer choice for me um, with Fultz at one. If you're Boston, do you take him because you envision a future of Markel Fultz and Isaiah Thomas, or do you take him because you're not going to give Isaiah Thomas $150 million in a couple of years, uh, so this is preparing for that? I think you take him because he's the best prospect in the draft, and then, and he's also he makes it very easy on you because he can play so many different positions and so many different roles. He can play with the ball, he can play without the ball, and so you know there's a transition period that any rookie in the NBA needs to go through, and he's going to have that going from you know like you said a team that wasn't competitive at all this season to trying to compete for an NBA championship. That's a it's not a typical rookie situation like you see, you know, a guy being drafted by you know, the Lakers or the Sixers or the Suns or, or, or one of these terrible teams that, you know, it doesn't really matter if you win or lose, you can ease your way in. He's going to have to, you know, bring his A game from day one, and that's going to be, that's going to be a transition. So I do think it, it helps him in that regard that if you need to bring him off the bench, that's fine. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, he's, he's, you're, you got him on a four-year deal. You've got his rights after that. And so, and it, he, he's going to end up being a point guard, I think, down the road, but to put his, the ball in his hands from day one and say go win us a championship, that's asking a lot, I think. I'm talking to DraftExpress.com's Jonathan Gavoni here on CBS Sports Radio. There was a time, and it feels like forever ago now, but there was a time when Harry Giles was considered to be the number one pick of the 2017 NBA draft, or at least the likely uh, number one pick of the 2017 NBA draft. Obviously, a lot has changed, mostly because his body has changed. He's been through multiple knee procedures he was uh, an irrelevant player, frankly, in his one year at Duke. You have him projected to still go in the top 20, but it is 20th. Um, uh, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, did you watch him work out recently? Yeah, I was just, uh, he's out here in Westchester, not far from where I live in Brooklyn. And so I, I got to spend some time with him, watch him work out, um, along with Malik Monk and TJ Leaf and uh, a couple other very interesting prospects. And uh, it was very encouraging, frankly, seeing you know, that he's taken advantage of his time off since Duke. I mean, losing in March, and now we're in uh, the end of May. Uh, you could see noticeably that he's um, more explosive, uh, that he's been putting in good work. And, and that's really the biggest question that NBA teams have is, is he going to be able to get back athletically to what he was? And he, will he be able to stay healthy after that? Uh, the, the, the Harry Giles that we saw this year was – Far less quick, explosive, agile, and confident, frankly. He just wasn't, he didn't have that same mentality that we saw in high school where he would just go get every rebound. He would just dunk on people left and right. And he also had a much higher skill level then, too. I mean, he was making free throws. You saw that it really affected his game. I mean, he was a 50% free throw to shooter this year. He was never that in high school. He's always in the 70s. So I, I do think that. There's a lot of upside there, especially for a team that multiple first-round picks. You take him and you you roll the dice. You say maybe he will, you know, revert back to being that guy that was, you know, potentially going to be the number one pick in the draft, if not top three. And uh, you know, as the the, the 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 more you get out of the lottery, the the more upside you have there with that. I'm talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. You mentioned T.J. Leaf being a part of those workouts with Harry Giles. Um, you have him projected to go 23rd uh, right now to the Toronto Raptors. 
terrific uh, freshman season, averaged 16 points, 8 rebounds, and like 2.4 assists per game for a UCLA team that was in the top 10 much of the season. When I talked to NBA people about him, one person said, to, and I thought this was interesting, he said, was T.J. Was T. Leaf better than everybody expected? Like, T.J. Leaf, like we, did we all miss on him coming out of high school, or did Lonzo Ball just make him look better than he actually is as a prospect? Uh, have you had people ask you that question at all? And if so, what's your answer to it? I think there's no question that Lonzo Ball made him significantly better. But Lonzo Ball makes every player that he plays next to significantly better. That's what Lonzo Ball does. So I don't think you can really hold that against T.J. Leaf. And he'd be the first one to tell you how much he benefited playing next to Lonzo, how much he enjoyed having him as a teammate. And so I think that's a feather in his cap. You know, they, they, they were able to win quite a few games. It was the best season UCLA has had in, in such a long time. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there are some question marks about T.J. Leaf. Um, you know, you watch him. Uh, work out, and you wonder, you know, is he that 40, you know, 40 plus percent three point shooter that he was at UCLA? He was on such a small number of attempts. There were so many games in the Pac 12 where he didn't even make a single three pointer. And that's going to be a big, big part of his game because he's not a big, bulky guy that is going to be muscling guys inside the paint. He's going to have to make a living in the NBA with his jump shot. He's also very, um, he's very bouncy off two feet. Uh, but um, the question is about the jump shot, really. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit slow. It's not the most orthodox mechanics, and um, it quite frankly doesn't go in as as much as you as you would hope watching him outside of that UCLA setting. So I do think that's a valid question to ask, uh, especially as moving towards the NBA three point line, which is just much further out than the college three point line. Uh, last thing before I let you go, and I'm wrapping up here with Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. Uh, Hamadou Diallo uh, withdrew from the NBA draft at the deadline, like literally almost at the deadline uh, last week, and go back to Kentucky and play at least one season of college basketball. Uh, would he have been picked in the first round had he remained in the draft? Secondly, um, what kind of player is Kentucky getting? I think it would have come down to the very last minute of the draft, too, in terms of a team deciding to actually uh, take pick him he was looking for any team in the first round to guarantee him couldn't find that was getting some quite negative feedback from my understanding is there, there were a lot of teams that thought he was going to be you know a mid-second round type player just because the times they had seen him play he was so underwhelming and there were there were a number of games that nba teams were allowed to go to in november december that he just quite frankly didn't look like he wanted to compete and for a guy who is you know six five has a very average frame and is you know not very skilled. He's an average ball handler. He's a below average shooter. For him not to show a will to compete in games like that was very very concerning. I think that's what he really ran into because he decided not to play in the five on five portion of the NBA Combine. So teams just had nothing to go off. They said, well, when we've seen you play, you played poorly. So what are we going to draft you off of based on the fact that maybe in three or four years from now you might you know be become a decent player and then we're going to have to pay you you know, $15 million a year. It's just, it's not a very attractive proposition. And, and I really wonder about the entire 2017 NBA draft, if we're going to see guys falling in the draft because they're so far away from being able to contribute. And the guys that are projected to be able to help in their year, in their first or second NBA season rising, especially when you look at the, this crop of big men, there's just way, way too many players, in, uh, way too many big men in that kind of 11 through 40 range. I think quite a few of them are going to end up falling it's going to be an interesting draft. I have no doubt about it. 
That is Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. You can follow him at DraftExpress. Uh, go check the website. Best mock draft out there, DraftExpress.com. Jonathan, thanks for being here, buddy. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me, Gary.